welcome to Connected episode 223. It is brought to you this week by our fine sponsors, Pingdom, Luna Display, and StoryWorth. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my two extremely talented and intelligent co-hosts. I have Federico Vitici. How are you? Hi, that's a, that's a nice compliment. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, you guys, you guys are the best. I love doing this every week with you. I'm just excited oh, wow. to be together. Oh, that's a, that's a, oh. <laughs> And we got Mike, who's just whatever. Whoa. Hey, Mike. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's not extremely intelligent and talented. <laughs> He's your co-founder. <laughs> yeah. And that's why he feels this way about me. We have to work together every day. <laughs> yeah. No, Mike's awesome as well. I can't choose between the two of you. It's like choosing between children. Yeah. Or iPads. We, should we talk about that? <laughs> how many how many iPad Pros are in your house, Federico? No, I don't want to talk about it today. So <laughs> okay. uh, let's move moving on to follow up. Talk about that later. So yes, follow up. Last week we spoke about a mystery battery case that Federico yep. found, but doesn't seem to exist anywhere else. No, it did. Remember, uh, I found it after great great right. effort. But had a different different name or something. Yep. Uh, so, Mike, what's going on with this battery? Like, why are we still well, talking about this? Because I was, I said last week, it's like, who the frick is ZMI? Like, I was, I, I get a little nervous with battery technology in general, let alone from some rando company I've never heard of who's selling an mm-hmm. unfindable product on Amazon. Um, so, Phantom wrote in to say that ZMI is a subsidiary of Xiaomi. Mm, okay. okay. So now I feel better about it. Who's Who's Phantom? They, that was their name on Twitter. Oh, okay. There's the person from the opera. Um, so I, I have mine here, actually. I, it arrived. It's really heavy. Although, actually, this is the second one because I ordered one and then I got an email from Amazon and they're just like, it got damaged beyond delivery. And I was like, what the hell what, happened what, to that battery? What does that mean? It's just like, <laughs> it, it, it was kind of scary. It's kind of just like, no. Like, I can only assume like it exploded or something. Mm. It's like, you, you don't want to see what happened it's like to this package. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to see the van it was in <laughs> burn the ground. Well, you can't see the van. <laughs> That's yeah. The <laughs> yeah, if you just look out the window, you'll see it. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, so th- I mean that's a that's a it's a good sign. I mean, uh, Xiaomi is a popular company. We have some important news, guys. Really important news. There is a new AirPods case out, but it's not the one that you really wanted. Or excited about? <laughs> Were you all punked by this headline like I was? Like, new AirPods case. It's like, oh, they finally did it, huh? Nope, nope. It's something else completely. Mm. It's called, th- th- Apple is selling this on their website. It's called the Catalyst case. It's a third party protective case for the case of your AirPods. Yeah. Uh, double case. It's a double case. It's basically just a rubber thing that you put over it, which makes it drop protect, drop proof and waterproof. They call it military mm-hmm. grade. And then you basically just have this like rubber skin uh, with a carabiner yeah. on the end. And that's mm-hmm. it's to your make life. your AirPods more extreme for extreme mm-hmm. lifestyle stuff. So these people that buy military grade accessories for iPhones and iPads, I see I see them all the time. What do they actually do with their devices? Do they just like throw them to the ground for some I think, reason? I think a lot, especially the cases are in construction, right? I think a lot of people that mm. work in construction get those cases. My parents okay. are in construction. They both carry them. My dad dropped his iPhone 6 like off a house totally fine and this like it, this otterbox case it it takes like two people to move it it's it's like the biggest thing i've ever seen 
I could see that. Or, you know, um, the the AirPod case has a funny habit of like coming open if you drop it. So I told you all this story on iMessage about and I'll share it with the audience. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I, I I was at the gym. I was using my AirPods. And then I went to the locker room and I dropped – I sort of like dropped my AirPods like in the bathroom part of the locker room. And the case opened and the AirPods went skittering across the floor and like – a men's locker room floor. And oh, it, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was very much a situation like when Jerry Seinfeld, like the shoelace touches the floor yep. and he's like, well, that one's done. Like I had this thought staring at my AirPods on the floor. It's like, do I just leave them? Like, do I just buy new ones? Like, what do I do here? And uh, so they they were cleaned thoroughly and because uh, I couldn't justify replacing them. But uh, this would have saved me from that. And it would have had a cool carabiner, which everyone looks cool with stuff clipped to their belt. So Yeah, that's true. Maybe this is for me. Do you feel like people who buy military-grade accessories like to always repeat that they have military-grade accessories? I feel, I feel like people who buy them like to say that for some reason. It's like, oh, you see my phone? It's military-grade. <laughs> it's military-grade. <laughs> military-grade. You get one of those thick laptops that's like, you know, bomb proof it's a whole it's a whole scene so anyways this is here uh if this fits your needs like i I could we're making fun of it but i can see a use like if you are doing you know long distance running or something like there are Mm -hmm. places where this makes sense so Mm -hmm. i'm glad that there's an option for people who need this i Um, wonder though if like people in these scenarios if the airpods are even the right choice for them in the first place though i mean are there like waterproof bluetooth headphones probably i don't know Probably, but the AirPods still yeah. aren't waterproof, are they? Right? No, no that's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, I would feel something like maybe the Beats X might be more, uh, might be better, right? Because they're, they're more kind of like attached to your body than the AirPods are. I don't know. Let us know, I guess, if this is for you. I don't know. Yeah, if you buy this, send us a review. Yes, <laughs> please, uh, complete, complete with drop test, obviously, mm-hmm. and underwater test, so yep. it can be complete. Yep. We have a birthday among us today. The Mac Pro turns five. So, is this something worth uh, celebrating? Yeah, I don't know if it is. That's the point of talking about it, Federico. It's very very sad. (laughs) It's a very sad sad. birthday. (laughs) It is sad. What's really uh, sort of brutal on the Mac Rumors article, um, they have a graphic with the Mac, the trash can, and the five. And then underneath it is Mac Pro 2013 to present. <laughs> it's like, oh, that was such a long time ago. Uh, five years ago. Yeah. But it's still there. You can still buy it. It's still in the Apple Store. I saw one last week. I can't believe you can still buy it. It's ridiculous. I understand why, but I also can't believe you can still buy it. Take it off the floor. Like, just don't have it on the floor of the Apple Store. Like, uh, If you know about the Mac Pro, you can buy one. Yeah. But you shouldn't be able to walk in an Apple store and be like, oh, that wouldn't meet my needs because it's not going to. It is wild that like the the cheese grater lasted from 2006 to 2012, right? Apparently, mm-hmm. saying in this Mac Rumors article, this that Mac Pro accurate. will get that old before they replace it. And and the cheese grater had like four revisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the trash can has had zero revisions. Quite sad. And was universally loved. It's just funny. It's funny how things happen. I feel like these past five years have moved quicker than those five years did, though. Maybe. Uh, I saw this deal go by on The Verge today, and it just felt like something that was so good that I wanted to just mention it on the show. You can buy an iPad on Amazon in the US right now, the original iPad, a 32 gigabyte model, for $229, which is $100 off. 
Um, and if you're looking for the 128 gigabyte, you can get it for 349, which is eighty dollars off. Uh, that's just crazy. And you mean the the plain iPad? Not you said original, but yeah, yeah the I, regular. I mean, like version one. That's only for yeah. you. That deal is only. Just wanted to you. clarify because I was all over that deal. Honestly, maybe stand. Standard is a better is a better phrase, right? Standard. Yes. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a good deal. I uh, my kids have one of these coming at Christmas to replace their aging and very sad iPad Mini Two. So uh, it's uh, it's a good deal, and they're great tablets for family members. Like, or if someone just wants to use it for like reading comics in bed, this is the one they should buy. Anyways, uh, next our next episode is going to be our year in review. We do this uh, every year. This will be the like the 28th year in a row we've done this, I think, where we go through the year of news, talk about what stories ended up being important, what stories ended up not being important, how we feel about them now. Uh, we're working on that document. Uh, if you have story suggestions, you can tweet with the hashtag connected year, and uh, we'll see that. And that episode will be out December 26th, the day after Christmas, and uh, it'll be a great way to escape your family for a few hours and listen to us talk about when the HomePod came out in February. Yeah, I started going through the list, and as as predicted, there is a bunch of stuff that I have literally no memory of, which is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my yeah. favorite thing about that. I'm scrolling through it now. Did you know that the Product Red iPhone 8 was released in April of this hey, year? Spoilers. I thought that was like... Come on. I thought it was three years ago. It's just one. This is the hot content that people are going to get on the the year in review episode. Don't give it away now. You can skip over the iPhone 8 chapter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you can get rid of that one. All right, should we take a break? No. Yeah. No, we shouldn't. All right, what do you want to do instead? <laughs> no, you should. You totally should. No, we're we're going to pass over now to Federico Fatici, who has an important no. special report, which he needed to interrupt the show. Yes, with. I have a special message in that I'm pleased to announce that uh, Mike Hurley will now thank our friends at Pingdom. Pingdom and the company who make website performance monitoring super easy. Everybody loves websites that load quickly, and Pingdom are helping to keep your favorite sites online and running smooth. Sites like Netflix and BuzzFeed, Slack and RelayFM. These are just a selection of the wonderful, powerful companies that trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring every single day. Websites are so complicated, things can break all the time, but Pingdom can monitor any site transaction that users would have. So for example, it's not just, is my website up or down? It could be user registrations or logins or checkouts. It can monitor all of these things independently. And if one or any of them break, it can tell exactly as well. You can customize the alert. So who it will tell is up to you. So if like, for example, the login function breaks and you just need to tell Mary who fixes the login functionality, you can set it up that it will tell her immediately. It's super awesome. Pingdom uh, Pingdom cares about the users of your website having the smoothest site experience possible. So if disaster strikes, you will be the first to know after them. So they're first, you're second, but you won't be 20th after the 20th person that tries to visit your website and can't get there. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor, and then they will take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. When you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So on last week's, after last week's episode, the three of us, we're talking 
and I think we, we was, I still had Amazon tabs open or something looking for that battery pack. And we started going down a weird and wonderful rabbit hole of peculiar iPad stands that exist. By the way, this is why you should listen live to our show because weird things sometimes happen, either in the middle or afterwards. What time do we record? We record on Wednesdays at, what is it, something Eastern time? One- p.m. Eastern. There you go. That's relay.fm slash live. 7 p.m. Italian time, which is the best time. Or 6 p.m. in London. Or 12 p.m. Central time. So all of those. 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay. And or 9 a.m. Hawaiian time. Yes. Or, or yeah, or 11 p.m. on the moon also. Yeah. You know what? I remember Stephen talking about that on liftoff once. I knew I knew I shouldn't have said that. Uh, yes, please tell me how time works on the moon. <laughs> yeah, actually, go on. Tell us how time works on the moon. Uh, I think missions uh, always use uh, GMT now. I think that's where everybody's staying. Uh, that's a boring but... answer. Yeah, I was hoping <laughs> he was going to say, like, oh, it moves at half the speed and then twice the speed after the sun Are you rises. sure you know about science? I don't think he does. Yeah. Maybe you should listen to a podcast about it. Yeah, I think it'll probably be good. Oh, well, what Stephen does know about, though, is weird iPad stands. There is a link in the show notes to some truly bizarre, like, but I'm almost kind of happy that they exist. The top one uh, is the one that upsets me the most because it looks like an an iPad with legs that's going to kill the woman that's looking at it. It's very, very, Mm -hmm. very upsetting. But It looks like one of the monsters from Half-Life. Yes, it does, actually. I have (laughs) Half-Life on my mind recently. I've just finished playing it for the first time. Um, so yeah, it is super creepy. I figured it's just worth putting in the show notes because it's weird and fun. My, my Amazon suggestions are ruined forever. (laughs) Do you remember when we did that after we spent 20 minutes looking for VIP wristbands for the live tour? Yeah. Also bad. Yeah. Yeah, very bad. Yep, I got some iPad stands here at the bottom of (laughs) Amazon.com. I hope that you bought the, uh, uh, Jetpack floor tablet stand with height adjustable gooseneck and toilet paper roll holder. <laughs> Isn't that the worst thing in the world, by the way? This is these. Gen- I hope that you asked your family for this gift for Christmas. Stephen. Can you imagine um, walking into a friend's bathroom and seeing this thing? <laughs> right. I would have so many questions. Like, look, everybody uses their devices in the bathroom. But nobody wants to have to be faced with that evidence when they walk into a bathroom, right? You want to forget. You want to not think about the fact that people do this. You don't want to see an iPad that's just stationed in there. You don't want to see that. It's bad. Mm-mm. Well, And also, like, just why does it have a toilet paper holder on it? Why does it have that? Like, why? That's the worst. Well, but why does it convenience. have that? It's yeah, but, a, like, you know, who doesn't already space. have one that then buys this instead? Like, oh, I need a toilet well, roll holder. I know what I'm getting. Maybe if you're building a new house and you think, I already have the stand, I might as well save a couple bucks. You want to mm. get the sweet, sweet uh, jet tech deal, you know? That's right. Mm. Uh, it's only 20 bucks. I hate it. I'm thinking, I'm going to buy this for Mike. <laughs> I, wa- well, I will return it a, to Amazon. It does have a, a mini golden toilet already as, a, as an award. Oh, so yeah. This goes really well with that. Go well together. <laughs> what like could, I, think, what could I use the toilet roll paper <laughs> holder 
thing for instead. Like if I put that somewhere else in my house, what else could go on it? Like bananas, could hang a bunch of bananas from it. <laughs> a bunch of cables. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I could hang a bunch of dongles. That's where all the dongles could hang. <laughs> it could be the dongle holder. I could, could just get a little pouch that I just hang off and I can just, you know, it's a little <laughs> dongle duffel can just hang off the thing. Please don't buy me this. Please don't buy me this. Please buy this. Please don't buy me. I don't want it. Please don't do it. Because okay, here's Please the thing, right? If you mic. start this, how bad could this end up for you? Right? Like for all of us. If we start buying each other joke presents, right? <laughs> how bad could that end up being? Uh, it is not on Amazon.co.uk, so you no, seem to be spared. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleased that that's the only reason. Let's see. I'm just going to search iPad stand toilet paper. Just stop searching <laughs> for it, because I don't want to. Oh, I found one that's worse. <laughs> found one that replaces your toilet paper stand on your wall and has a shelf <laughs> on top of it for your iPhone to sit what? on. What? That's, that's not good. Okay. I'll put it in the chat room. Well, this is why people should listen live. Oh, that's exclusive. That's, oh what my is god! That for <laughs> like, it's just a tray. Is that a chi charger though? I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, you see, now if that was a chi charger, I'd consider it. But like, just as a like a little shelf, that's, that's no good. That's no good. Somebody needs to make that. The best. The best part about it is the last product picture has like baby wipes and some flowers on it. So it's like uh, you can put your phone on it, but you can also put, you know, regular human things on it. Wait a second. Does this iPhone color even exist? (laughs) It's bright pink. (laughs) It looks it looks like the uh, iPhone 6S, the pink, but way brighter than it actually shipped as. This is not rose gold. I like how that's your complaint. Mm. I mean, you could replace your toilet paper, my. Uh, this person this. has three, a number three on their settings, and a hundred and thirty-three on their messages. How could you get three alerts and settings? And, and one on photos. So settings could be Apple Pay, software update, um, software update, two-factor authentication. Um, photos could be a shared album, at a hundred and something messages. I have no idea. He's a very busy Amazon seller. Well, That's a group why. chat with you two can quite frequently get into that <laughs> range. <laughs> yeah. I had like 2,700 iMessages. All right, so which one? <laughs> Mike, do you, would you prefer the Wordwell wall-mounted self-adhesive bathroom paper stainless steel holder or the stand with the integrated toilet roll holder? But no, I don't want any of them. I want, I want the stand sure? with the Qi charger. <laughs> for the bathroom. That's what I want. Well, I just figure if you're gonna put, if you're gonna give me a shelf, a specific shelf for my phone, I want it to be useful in some way. Although the problem is, where would you plug it in in the bathroom? That's the issue, right? Yeah, this is this is not gonna work out. I mean, an, an extension cord draped over a bathtub never it's hurt not, anybody. It's not like anybody died because of that. So. <laughs> Can we talk about MacBook Air storage options now instead, please? Yes. I have many things to talk about in this tiny topic. I uh, I need to share a little bit of my wife's compu- computer history for a second. She had an original, like, first-gen, one-port, 12-inch MacBook. I bought it basically when it came out uh, for her to replace an, an aging 11-inch MacBook Air. She really likes small notebooks. And the MacBook was fine, but, you know, it's now three years old, almost four years old, and was, you know, showing its age and struggling, you know, in photos and some other things she does a lot. The MacBook's not super powerful. 
And uh, about this time, I was thinking about replacing the MacBook. A friend of mine had a 2013 iMac that he was basically he basically just gave me. He was like getting rid of it, and I thought, you know, this this thing will run Mojave. I can put an SSD in it. There's a, a link in the show notes, uh, like me walking through putting a solid state drive in it. But that 2013 uh, iMac, it, it runs Mojave pretty well, but it is slowly developing some like really weird, like I walked by it the other day and the screen was off and the fan was just going like full tilt and had to like hard power it off. And it's just like, it's doing some weird stuff and it's older and I put SSD in it and like it checked out okay. But I'm just, I was sort of thinking, I was like, well, if this machine ends up kicking it because it's, you know, uh, aging what would i get her like what what would she want and she, she kind of wants to go back to a notebook and so i was like well i'll look at the new macbook air it's more powerful than the macbook by a healthy margin she she doesn't really need a macbook pro i don't want to pay for a macbook pro uh, so i'll look at the macbook air and this is when i discovered something infuriating about this product uh, as we know the cpu is the same across all of them i can understand that whatever um you can adjust the ram you can go from 8 gigs to 16 which is really nice to have 16 gigs of ram on a macbook air i think that's a good thing it's 200 dollars to go to 16 gigs of ram from from 8 that's a pretty good deal at least in apple's world but then you get down to storage so the default is 128 uh on the uh 1200 one and you can take that to 256 for 200 dollars you can take it to 512 gigabytes of storage for 400, or you can take it to a terabyte and a half for $1,200. You can double the price of your MacBook Air by putting a terabyte and a half SSD in it. So I'm looking at this, and I'm sort of annoyed that there's not a terabyte option for like $600. And then I look and see how much free space she has on her iMac. Now, I put a terabyte SSD in her iMac. Uh, and she is using about 400 gigs of space. It's like she could live on a 512 SSD, but it's nice to have some breathing room. And she, you know, she works on these big projects sometimes where she needs more disk space for a while. And that was an issue on the MacBook. But I cannot, I cannot justify $1,200 for an SSD upgrade on a machine that costs $1,200. That is insane. Why is it so expensive? Well, it's it's not only that, but why is there not a step in between five twelve and a terabyte and a half? Yeah, well, I mean, I would understand why there wouldn't be if the prices were more sensible, right? But considering it's you know you're mm-hmm. paying four hundred dollars for every five hundred and twelve gigabytes, right? Like, then you should probably have at least a one terabyte, or like you know, or just something in. But yeah, yeah. it just it's too much, right? It's way too much. It's really frustrating, and so. Uh, I'm not, we're not doing anything at this point with this machine. Like her iMac is, I'm just going to kind of keep an eye on it. But I think at some point she will end up with a with a MacBook Air, and it's just like I'm going to do the 512, and just like I guess have an external SSD when she like she works on these big like family photo projects. I don't know, but it's it was just sort of surprising to me to see that there wasn't a terabyte option. But I guess that that is what it is. But a little frustrating if you're looking to buy one and you have, you know, 400 gigs worth of stuff. I mean, is there no other machine that would make more sense? Would a MacBook Pro not be better for price at that point? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think at this point, I would avoid the MacBook Escape because yeah. it has the old keyboard and like it hasn't been updated. And it's actually a little bit better than the MacBook Air in some ways, but then the Air is Touch ID, which is nice. Still has two ports. But, you know, looking at a uh, at an Escape to, to spec it the same, so say you use the stock CPU, which is much better, but 16 gigs of RAM and 512 gigabytes of storage is uh, eighteen ninety nine, and I think the and let me see what the air is going to be real quick, so I can be accurate. Um, the air with its default CPU and sixteen gigabytes of RAM and five hundred and twelve gigabytes of storage is waiting for the page to load. Come on, Safari. Uh, seventeen ninety nine. So a hundred more dollars to do the MacBook Escape spec the same way, uh, but there is a terabyte option on the MacBook Escape. But I, I don't think I want to do that generation keyboard. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm hoping that by the time I need to do something for her, that the the Escape is updated or goes away and forces my hand. But um, it's sort of, sort of some weird options on these machines right now. The Mac just feels like, for so many people right now and has done for most of this year but it did not get cleared up after october like unless and again i think i said i think we said this recently unless you're buying a mac mini it feels like there is no machine in which you eventually do not come across a oh no moment you're like okay the Mm -hmm. macbook air would work oh wait it's like two computers you may as well just buy a two of them and then she can use one for web browsing and one for mm. re- for like doing her big projects, you know? I could do the silver one mm-hmm. for the day MacBook Air and the space gray one for the night MacBook Air. But like a joke, but like that's, you know, why not just, you know, I guess it's not the same storage size. I paid for it at this point if I'd put a terabyte so and a half in it. That's so wild uh, to me. A terabyte and a half is more than I have in my mm-hmm. iMac Pro, by the way. <laughs> that would bother me forever. Give me a terabyte option, Apple. That's all I want. I would like to now bring a topic to the floor that I am interested in. I don't know if you guys are interested in it. Ultrasonic fingerprint readers. So I saw this recently. Uh, Qualcomm did this big event where they showed off the Snapdragon 855. It was one of these funny things to me where like they did this thing in Hawaii and brought out a bunch of reporters and YouTubers. And it's just like, okay. Like, I don't even really understand it. Like, Qualcomm don't sell these products to people. Like, they sell them to phone companies, right? But, like, it does feel like from watching a bunch of YouTube channels that, like, you know, it's important to have... Like, and everybody knows. Like, if you're in the Android world, you know what Snapdragon you've got, right? Like, it, there is some importance to it. But it's just kind of funny that, like, Qualcomm don't actually have to sell the merits of this platform to technology YouTubers. But they did anyway. Um, but it, So they, they're developing a, an ultrasonic under-display fingerprint sensor that will work with this 855 that works with wet and dirty, fin- dirty fingers. So this is becoming a trend now. Um, like the OnePlus 6T is probably the most popular phone I think available right now that has this feature in it or a version of this where there is a fingerprint sensor underneath the display. Right, And it shines like a light on your finger, and then it lets you in. I think we've spoken about these before. So looking at stuff like this from Qualcomm, it seems like the, the in the Android world, they are doubling down on fingerprint reading technology. Like a bunch of phones have some kind of facial recognition as well as 
a fingerprint reader. And I just kind of figured that like the fingerprint readers will go away because everyone will, will follow what Apple's doing. But it seems like still that there is more technology and more like advancements of technology in different fingerprint readers. And I just wondered what you guys thought about that. Like, does this, does the idea of a fingerprint reader under a display interest you? Hmm. Um, not me personally, because I think I'm fine with face ID, but I can tell you that people like my girlfriend or, or like all of my friends who upgraded to an iPhone 10 or 10s, they would love for Touch ID to be back as like an addition to Face ID because like a common um, criticism that I hear is that Face ID is less reliable than Touch ID. This is something that Sylvia wanted me to bring up on the show for a long time. So this is my chance to tell her that I officially complained about it. Um, she's having so much issues, like so many issues with Face ID and, and so much trouble trying to understand like what is the ideal like position for like holding the phone when i'm like uh like i just woke up in the morning for example and unlocking the phone never works um and she's using a 10s so in theory she's she has the improved um, generation of face id or whatever um and she just doesn't um and I see it with my own eyes. Like I see the problems that she has with like notifications not expanding on the lock screen. That was a feature that she really wanted to have, like the notification privacy thing. But it's never it's not working well for her. And we did the the training again and I made sure not to, you know, sort of confuse face ID by trying to unlock her phone with my face. So it's uh, it's um we're we're following all of the recommendations that Apple has, but it's still not as reliable as she would like it to be. Um, and I think I don't see these problems because I mostly, um, I'm I do, I do see these problems sometimes with the iPhone, but not as frequently as Sylvia. And on the iPad, I use my iPad mostly in a stationary uh, environment, you know, at a desk. So in that case, Face ID is more reliable. Um, but I think. It would be interesting to imagine like multiple options for biometric authentication. Um, I think it would be nice to have like a solution where it automatically switches between them. Uh, doesn't doesn't like ask you. It doesn't bring up a list of like use your face or use your finger. It just works depending on whether you're touching the screen or looking at the screen. Um, but I don't. I don't think if Apple likes the idea of adding this kind of complexity to the security chip of iOS devices. Um, but but yeah, I've heard this complaint for from so many people, like friends that come up to me and like and are like, "Wasn't Face ID supposed to be better than Touch ID?" And uh, it's funny that you bring up this topic, Mike, because it it fits quite well with the things my friends have been telling me for the past few months. It is not surprising to me that there are people that are having problems with it. Like again, like I am I think I'm in the camp of it works pretty much all the time for me and Adina doesn't complain about her face ID, but it makes sense to me that there would be people that would have problems in the same way that there were people that had problems with touch ID. But for whatever reason, it just, we just didn't really focus on it as much cuz I think that there were maybe less people and probably we're only remembering what Touch ID version 2 was like, you know. 
where we kind of haven't gotten to that level yet with Face ID. And, and I wonder, like, maybe next year if there will be any advancements to the actual hardware that will make it better for a lot of people. But see, I've been thinking about this, right? Like, what do I miss Touch ID for? Well, I miss Touch ID for unlocking my phone when I haven't got it in front of my face, right? Which is like, you know, unlocking my phone as I'm bringing it to my face, for example. But the biggest one for me is using Apple Pay. Like, Apple Pay is slower and more clunkier and more annoying on the iPhone X. And, and like, this is also goes for, like, purchasing applications. But I don't think an underscreen fingerprint reader would help me in any of this. Because how would you activate Touch ID? How would you activate Apple Pay without looking at the display still? Right? So I think all it's going to do is just you still have to do the same stuff. You still have to have the phone in front of you. Well, you unless still... Touch ID would be not under the display, but into the button that on the would, side. Yeah, that would really, I would like that. I would like that a lot. And there are, there are some Android phones that have done that, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so I would, I would be up for that. And, and I think that really there could be some, a way to tell at least that story, but I think it would be really difficult if Apple were like, we have two and you can choose between them. I don't think that that really matches with the way that they like to talk about it, but like Samsung make it work. You know, like Samsung have multiple authentication options. It's just choice for the customer. Like it is a, there is, there, is, there does seem to be like an intrinsic benefit in that to me of like, we have these two systems, they're both super secure, and you can use whatever one you want. Like, that feels good to me. Apple lets you choose when you set up a passcode if you want to have no passcode or four-digit passcode or six-digit. Yeah, and, or and word. Like, even longer, or word passcodes. Yeah. So, I mean, why not? I mean, and if they're going to keep charging me over a thousand pounds for a phone, I want it full of <laughs> all the technology. <laughs> Put it all in there. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, I'm really torn on this. I just don't know how Apple pitches going back to your thumbprint after they made such a big deal about how secure the face was. Right, but it's it's unless it's not back though, right? It's like, oh, we do face ID, which is amazing, and we have this other new incredible technology, right? Which is which reads your fingerprint, but in this new and incredible way. And like, either a, it's now embedded in the screen, or b, it's now in- embedded in the t- in the button. Is like. Those both seem more futuristic than the original Touch ID. They, they do, but my complaint would just be around like they kind of poo pooed thumbprint security when they introduced Face ID. It's so, like they would also need to convince us that it is more secure than the old Touch ID was, which maybe it would be with this new technology. Right, but like I could imagine that they would, you would then just say something of like, oh, this is incredibly secure. Look how secure. But if you want to be even more secure, you would use Face ID, right? So it's just a way that you tell it. But I mean, yeah. I, I honestly, I don't know what I think they would end up doing. But it does, it's interesting to me that there are, there's still advancements in this technology and that a lot of Apple's competitors are either sticking, just complete, completely sticking with, with fingerprint uh, verification or adding both. Um, and it just makes me wonder where they'll end up going. That was my topic for today. Who knows? All right. 
Let's uh, let's talk about Lunar Display. They are our second sponsor for this episode. Lunar Display is the hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac. You'll have a super portable second display with stunning image quality and basically zero lag. Lunar Display, in my opinion, is great for two use cases. It's either if you want to have, and, and I think the way that they tend to have done it in the past, is like you have a second dis- display for your Mac, right? So this is good if, um, I know that Stephen is using one, I probably right now where he has uh, his iMac and then his iPad next to him, which he has audio hijack on, so it's just off of his display. I use mine at home to operate my headless Mac Mini that I have now, right? Which I'm I'm finding new and wonderful things to do. Like, so I think that these are like the the big things, right? You either have it as a second display for your Mac, which you can have on your your desk, but even when you're traveling, so you have your laptop and you have your iPad and you have two screens, or you could use it to control another machine in your house that maybe you're not in front of all the time. It is super awesome. You you just have this little dongle that you plug into your Mac. They either have USB-C or mini display port, and you'll be up and running in seconds. It all works over Wi-Fi, but if you're on somewhere where there isn't a Wi-Fi connection, you can connect via USB as well. I am blown away by how responsive this is. I, whenever I'm using it, give me five minutes, and I genuinely forget that I'm not just using a Mac. It, it, it's so like crystal clear and super responsive. Um, I am absolutely blown away by this. You can go to lunadisplay.com right now, L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y, lunadisplay.com. And if you use the promo code CONNECTED at checkout, you will get a 10% discount on your own Lunar Display. That is lunadisplay.com and promo code CONNECTED at checkout. Our thanks to Lunar Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So as we spoke about a couple of weeks ago, Apple Music has made its way out onto the Amazon Echo, at least in the U.S. So you can open the companion app and set it up. It can be your default music service on the Echo, which is really nice. And one thing we we talked about in that conversation was how would Apple promote this? Would they make a big deal of it or would they sort of just, uh, you know, kind of just let it be? And the answer is they're shouting it from the rooftops, right? Like it's everywhere. Uh, so uh, Federico, you, you put some of the stuff, y'all put some of the stuff together on Mac stories. What, what's Apple been up to? So we, we wondered last week, will Apple actually say or write the name Alexa anywhere? Um, and yes, they did multiple times in multiple places. So the big one is the top story in the today section of the app store on iOS. Uh, there's a story that explains uh, what you can do with the Echo and Apple Music, how you can set up the integration, um, and there's a link to download the Amazon app to configure this integration with the Echo and Apple Music. Um, this story is also the the destination of a push notification that Apple sent to Apple Music subscribers. Uh, I would argue tap- that that was a bigger, like a bigger thing to do. It's well, just, the notification takes you to this story. Right, but like in that, I agree with that. But like, you know, if you just have it in the app store, it's like people are going to go to it. Push notifications, like Apple were like, hey, you, go look at this, right? Um, so they sent a push notification to Apple Music users, which in theory is kind of kind of against the Apple's own <laughs> guidelines. Well, okay, this is a thing that like people, I bring it up, people bring it up, and there's like a million to and for and against. Well, it, of right? course, Apple can do whatever they want because they're Apple, so. Exactly, but here's the thing I find weirder about it. It's an Apple Music 
notification that opens the app store is that what happened yes well no see that's weirder right because i mean i didn't get it because i'm i'm in the uk and it doesn't seem to be in the uk i don't know if it's ever going to find its way to the uk but i'm like all of the alexa stuff it takes so long we only last week got the follow-on request thing I don't know what's wrong with Amazon that it takes them so long to even add their own features to Echoes outside of the UK, outside of the US. It's not like it's a different language even. Well, I mean, kind of. But like I'm more willing to accept when when if it's like a third parties thing, right? Like I'm more willing to accept that because there's all these things. But when Amazon develop a feature, why do they not why does it take them so long to roll it out? I don't understand. I do wonder if the push notification uh, from Apple was sent to all US-based Apple Music subscribers or just the ones who have the Alexa app already downloaded or previously downloaded them on their devices. Because I don't have it installed, but I I had the app installed at some point in the past and I did receive the notification. So I wonder if Apple went full on spammy and sent the notification to all Apple Music subscribers or just the ones that they know had a previous relationship with the Echo by looking at their App Store history. I expect they sent it to everyone because there were people that had already set this up who were also getting the notification and that's like that's the one you would want to exclude right you if you were if you had rules in place to exclude customers from this notification you would want to try and exclude the people that had already done this in some way but they they wouldn't know if they did it because they cannot look into the app i'm sure that there's some flag on an account somewhere maybe they can look in apple they can look in apple music though yeah yeah Mm. yeah i mean it's weird i got it on my ipad but not my iphone Uh (laughs) like they're sitting side by side the ipad got it the phone didn't so uh, Hmm. uh, who who knows how they're actually doing that that doesn't make any sense okay so um and finally there's also on apple.com there's the in the apple music features web page the mini site uh, the list of devices compatible with Apple Music. Sure enough, there's this an Amazon Echo icon. This was what we had spoken about. We would yes. figure would be the yes. the bare minimum, right? Like that it kind of had to go there because the Sonos was there. So when we were talking about this, one of the things that I found interesting, and I'll bring it up again now because now I think it's even more interesting, is uh, my kind of thinking was dependent on how much they promote this will say what is going on behind the scenes, right? Because my theory about this is this is what Amazon wanted. But what Apple want is to get their TV service on Fire TVs. That This is what I think is going on here, and they've had to exchange this somehow. Because I can't work out what the benefit to Apple is in doing this. Because... I don't see that this would make people sign up for Apple Music, right? I I can't see the genuine like customer desire to be like, well that was the last thing I was waiting for when this the person who's already doing this is either already a subscriber to Amazon's music service or Spotify. I Which mean, if mean, anything, if anything, this is going to convince people to buy an Echo. <laughs> exactly, right? So this is why I think this is not what Apple ideally would have wanted to do if everything Mm. was equal right i mean i can't believe that this is on the echo at all 
right? So I just look at a deal like this and I'm like, this is not the only part of this deal. Like maybe this was a part of getting Prime Video on Apple TV. And like, this is what Apple have had to give back, right? Like this is like a two and throw that they're doing because it just seems so strange to me that Apple would be like, I know what we need to do because I, I don't, I, if the HomePod did not exist, it would make sense to me, right? Because then it's just like, well, what else are they going to do? It has to be in other devices somehow. But it just it just seems like such a strange thing to do it. Mm. But it's like, okay, mm. I can understand the arguments, some of the arguments of doing it in the first place, right? Because it's like, oh, imagine that, you know, that you're in a, I think I saw Rene Ritchie say this, like a, uh, a home with mixed devices, right? So like there's, there's two people in the home. One is like Android, one is iPhone. You have an Amazon Echo because it meets in the middle, right? So like you put it there. Um, but then when it gets down to the promoting of it, in the extremely heavy way they've done it, it didn't do this for Sonos. Sonos didn't get any of this. But Amazon is. It just seems so interesting to me. Like, I don't think it's underhand. I think that there's just business dealings here. And I am very intrigued to see what the other shoe to drop will be because I think that it's more than this. I don't think that this is a purely services revenue thing. Because I just, I really don't see that this would make somebody sign up for Apple Music who wasn't already. Another aspect of this is Apple has its hardware back on Amazon.com. Yeah, that's that's beneficial to both companies. That could be another part of it. Definitely, that that's something I've forgotten. But that is a very very good point. That like Apple want it there, or or maybe Apple don't. But this is also part of this thing of like Apple wants something and Amazon want to sell their hardware. Right. It's good for both companies. They both make you know money from it. Yeah, and I think as well one of the things that happened there is like. Uh, a lot of the like fake cables and stuff all got pulled. Yeah. Uh, I think the the thing that you just said is what's been rolling around in my mind was, if would this make someone sign up for Apple Music? Uh, I, I agree with you. I don't think it would. I think someone who already has an Echo, already has a music service probably hooked up to it, whether it be Amazon's or Spotify, probably most likely. But what, what it does do... I think is the opposite. I think it makes people who have Apple Music more willing to stay with Apple Music, who may have an Echo or two and be frustrated that they didn't have their music there. And maybe they thought, oh, maybe at some point I should try Spotify. I should try Amazon Music Prime streaming service, music service, whatever it's called. And so it, it makes Apple Music more sticky. And that is never a bad thing when it comes to service revenue. So it may not be about outright sales as much as it may be about keeping people who already have it happy. And it does mean that if you are uh, looking to buy one of the, um, you know, buy one of these smart home devices or buy one of uh, a music streaming service, then it, it does put Apple Music in the conversation with Spotify on level footing. And that that's a good thing too. What about Google Home? That's a that's a good question, right? You know, Amazon and Apple seem to have buried the hatchet somehow. Do we see Apple and Google doing that anytime soon? Like, I think that a lot of this stuff is completely independent. Like in the way that like Apple buys displays from Samsung, right? Like it's just like these are different teams. These companies can still have major beef and still somehow find some way to work together. You know. I mean, definitely. That's a. I think it's a great point. Uh, you know, Google and Apple have a relationship. They they have a business relationship with the browser mm-hmm. and the search engine. Google has all of their apps on iOS. We can debate about the quality of them, but they're all there. 
And they've even worked together like on the native mail client and the mail and the native contact and calendar clients to make them work better. Apple Music is on Android. And so uh, I would exp- honestly, I would expect at some point that Apple Music shows up on the Google Home. I, I kind of exp- because Google doesn't have I mean, Google is like Amazon. Like they have a music service, but no one uses it. Like it, it's not like Apple Music is not going to end up on a Spotify speaker that Spotify itself puts out in the future. But from like the platform perspective, the Google Home is sort of neutral ground, just like the Echo was. And I, I could see it happening. I think that it would be uh, beneficial to to both, just like it would, is with Apple and Amazon. I do wonder like how far can this go if we start treating Apple as a services company, which means that now Apple services can be on different kinds of platforms and devices. Should these, I mean, of course, this uh, approach will work, I suppose, for the TV service. But we could make an argument that maybe reminders should also be a service that you get on the Echo. Or maybe, I don't know, mm. <laughs> iMessage no. <laughs> could be a service that you get on other platforms. Oh, boy. <laughs> like, if they start treating all of their um, apps as services, and it means they can extract re- recurring revenue from services. I think the question has got to be, though, the service that's going cross-platform, is there a direct customer transaction for it, right? So, like, while yeah. something that reminders yeah. would be lovely, I don't see it happening unless you start paying for it. Unless, yeah, unless you, I mean, yeah, uh, it has to become some kind of, uh, yeah, like uh, uh, sign up for iCloud on other devices. It gets complicated. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's also different. It's also, I think, complicated to compare Apple Music and iCloud directly because they are so very different. And Apple Music, in some ways, is a, an outward facing product, right? They're competing against Spotify and these others. But, iCloud is like Apple's magic sauce to make all their stuff work better together, and it strengthens Apple's platforms for iCloud yep. to be closed just to Apple hardware and, you know, Windows PCs, but no one should use iCloud on Windows. So uh, they are different from a business perspective. At some point, that may change, and Apple may realize if we if we opened iCloud up, we could make more from it we can make it more beneficial to the bottom line and even though it would cost us some of the sort of magic uh, user experience people have between our computers and tablets and stuff i don't know it's just really interesting to think about yeah i feel like it's more likely to happen with entertainment right so there was that 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 rumor the bloomberg rumor of the news thing right like the apple subscription news yeah so there's going to be that and then there will also be tv and I reckon, I mean, I think that this, I think that this, this Amazon partnership has, has answered questions now, I think, about what they're going to do. And I think it seems pretty clear at this point that Apple's entertainment platforms, they're going to try and get them far and wide. I mean, because the, you need the TV stuff. We spoke about this. I'm saying what we said last time, but like the TV stuff has to be on other platforms, like more, way more than music, because Apple don't own any of the music. It doesn't, like, there's no investment from them. But they are spending, it will be billions by the time the stuff gets out. Like, they they had that budget, but the amount of stuff they're signing is going to be way more. It will be multiple billions of dollars, most likely, to get this first round of content available. For that just to be available on iOS devices and, and Apple TVs, 
that would be a, a bad idea, I think, ultimately for, for the future of their service because they clearly believe with the amount of money and effort that they're spending on it and the names that they've got involved that this is going to be a big thing for them, that they're going to have like, you know, they're going to have a big TV show. They're going to have award-winning TV shows. You know, they're going to have stuff. Um, I feel like that, that, that they need to get that as in, in as many places as possible more so than they need to do music. It's so it's just so strange to back up from this all a few steps. If we had talked about 10 years ago or even like 6 or 7 years ago, Apple 5 years ago, 3 years yeah, ago, Apple like, being in the same conversation with Spotify and Netflix and Hulu and like movie theaters and TV like I would think you were bananas, right? Like oh they have the iTunes store, they're going to sell all this stuff for other people, but as that business has slowed down, they've they've moved into this new world and like it's really I mean, sometimes i just think about it from that perspective like that's wild to me that they're doing this and you know it's very difficult for us because like like for the three of us who have spent the last 10 years of our lives maybe more 15 years probably following this company, 45 years yeah 45 who've done things in a certain way right like I think it's I think it's easier for us though because it's we're easier still like for us. thirty yes. or uh, yeah, yeah, forty two yeah. in Stephen's case. But it's easier um, for us. It's harder for some. <laughs> but even but I mean like even for us with the, the with the history that we have, it's difficult for for us to to let go of the that's not how Apple would do things mentality, right? But we yes. are in a transition now, and everything that they used to do, they do differently. It's all changing. And like I really am trying my best to focus on that, and like because I think it's important that everyone who looks at this company now and who likes this company, we we have to let go of that mentality because they are changing significantly as a company in many ways. Some for the better, some for the worse, but they are changing, and I think that it it behooves us now to try and start thinking about like. Everything that Apple does is what Apple does. There is no like history anymore that dictates what they will and won't do. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I love those sections on upgrade when Jason talks about for that from like the PR perspective, like having a bunch of young YouTubers look at the phone before anybody else, you know, and and old people in the press are freaking out about it. it it's it is a new ball game, and Apple Music in a way is sort of like the most like frontward facing mm-hmm. example of that. Like that Apple would do a service that's not just locked to its own hardware. You know, for a long time, I think we wrote off Android on Apple Music because yeah. Beats was already there. So they sort of just adopted it. But like now it's more than just Android. Clearly, this is a part of their strategy moving forward and not just legacy. It was that's a plan. Yeah. Yeah. We wrote it off. But really, this was probably part of the plan all along because they could have just shut the app down and just refunded everyone. But they chose to keep the app going. So yeah, I think that this is going to be one of the big stories of 2019. This is is all of this service stuff, how it starts to fit together. It's very exciting. All right, today's show is also brought to you by StoryWorth, the easiest way to share your family stories. We all have that one family member who tells the best stories, especially around the holidays. Those tales about the first family who had a TV in the neighborhood or some memorable trip to a, a, fa- a family favorite vacation place. 
StoryWorth is the easiest and most fun way for your loved ones to share their stories with you and the other people in your family. Here's how it works. You buy a subscription for someone you love, and every week, StoryWorth will send them an email of a question about their life, questions that you probably never would have thought to ask, or worded in ways that will bring out the best answer in people. The recipient will reply to the email with their story, or they can even record it over the phone, and all of these stories are totally private and only shared with the family members that you choose. After a year, these stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book to share with future generations. StoryWorth is a great way of staying in touch with family members who live far away. You can write stories and upload photos by email or on the web. You can share the stories of as many people as you want. You just invite them by email, and you can save and edit everything on StoryWorth.com. Now, Stephen, I believe that you've played around with StoryWorth. I have. I've spent the last year or so going through it with uh, with my dad and one of my, my favorite things about it is the quality of the questions. So there's questions that you would sort of expect, right? Like tell me about your first home, tell me about, you know, your favorite teacher when you're growing up. But then there's questions that really are like really thought provoking, like, uh, you know, talk about a time where like what you believed was questioned or, you know, talk about something that was a lot harder than you thought it would be. Not just like family history stuff, but like really like personal things that, you know, if I was coming up with this, I'm not sure I would think to ask those questions on my own. And that's that's something that I really think is is pretty neat about this service. It kind of digs in because you're doing it over the course of a long time. So you have time to ask all the questions you expect, but then kind of get off the beaten path. And that's where the interesting stuff always is. StoryWorth is a great gift for the holidays, so why not get it for someone you care about who loves telling little stories? Listeners of this show can get $20 off their subscription by going to storyworth.com slash connected. That's $20 off when you visit storyworth.com slash connected. Our thanks to StoryWorth for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, this week, marked the launch of Launch Center Pro 3, which is a universal iOS app. Launch Center Pro has been around uh, a long time. I think version 2 was in like 2013, yeah. but it's it's back with an update. It, it has been sort of reconsidered for the world uh, that it now inhabits with things like Siri shortcuts and the shortcuts app. You know, Launch Center Pro is like automation before a lot of that stuff was on iOS, and Federica, you've spent a bunch of time with it. Uh, can you walk us through what this app is all about? Yeah. So the um, one of the big changes is that the app is now universal. And that already brings up one of my complaints about this update that I actually wrote in my review. Um, Launch Center Pro is now universal, which means it's a single download, uh, runs on the iPhone and iPad. The iPhone version of the app, uh, the app used to be split in iPhone and iPad versions. The iPhone one is is the the version that got an update. So uh, if you used to have Launch Center Pro for iPad on your device, you will not see version three. Uh, version three is an update from the iPhone version that also runs on the iPad. However, making the app universal uh, does not mean that the app will support modern iPads. It's and it's kind of weird because it's a it's an update that has been years in the making, um, but it still doesn't support iOS nine multitasking, for example. So it doesn't support split view, doesn't support slide over, doesn't support uh, full screen resolution on the iPad or the new iPad Pro, the twenty eighteen ones. And it's very strange that, as I wrote in my article, it's very strange. I think to you know, to have one of the major selling points of this upgrade, that it's now a universal one app that runs everywhere, but does not have iPad updates. 
So it's like making, uh, you know, a step forward and two steps back kind of situation. It's like, you know, I could run the phone app on my iPad if I wanted to, right? Like, <laughs> is that a selling point? Like, it just seems so strange to me. Like, I always find these things peculiar. Like, I don't know what's going on as to why they've decided to release this application, right? I don't work inside of the business. But, like, it doesn't really feel like there was any like it, it's a, there doesn't seem like there was anything specific that meant it had to come out now yeah i think it's more just of um they wanted to release it now just to be just to be done with the launch so that they can start the new year with like uh, now we're just going to add new stuff i think it's ob- it's kind of obvious that this update is, was supposed to come out a long time ago and that something happened i don't know but i feel like at some point you know i, I get this for example when i work on my articles and they take a long time at some point i decide maybe to cut a few sections and to just publish it because it has to be done like i don't want to think about publishing the article you know, uh, for uh, like a month later, and maybe I will have those sections as separate stories down the road. Um, Let me ask you I, though, like I, I don't know how I feel about this personally, but would you like prefer no universal app or like or what it was like? Would you prefer oh like this is the well, iPhone version? It will be universal later, or it's it, universal now, but it's not very well done. If it, if it were up to me now, of course I don't work at Contrast. I have I I don't know what their situation is, but personally, I would have released the app next year with an actual iPad version uh, because yes. I think it's just weird that it doesn't mm-hmm. that that it's new but also old on the iPad. And it, it's not just that it's new; it's that it's an application that is geared towards professional users and those people are more likely than anyone to have the new iPad, right? It it is a bad impression off the bat to not support hardware. I mean, and it is worth just saying, right? Like, it's not just a new iPad. Like, this doesn't... It's not just a new iPad, though. Exactly. (laughs) Like, it's low resolution even on the non-new iPad Pros. You You can use unoptimized 2018 iPad Pro apps like John Voorhees Blink, for example, which is no longer on the App Store, but you can use it in Split View on the 2018 iPad Pro, <laughs> right? Even yeah. though it hasn't been updated. This yeah. one, the Launch Hunter Pro 3, cannot be used in Split View because it just does not support iOS 9 multitasking. So if you ask me, Mike, I would say I would have waited for an iPad update uh, because it's really behind on, on the iPad side. Um, what else is new? Okay, so um, the there are I guess there are two major features. One of them is um, NFC triggers. So Launch Center Pro now supports uh, NFC stickers that Contrast sells in a in a in app shop that you can access with a with a browser view, and you can buy these stickers. And what you can do is you can tap your phone if you have a modern iPhone. You can tap it against the sticker, and you will get a notification. Uh, that you need to tap on the notification and it will launch the app which will run your action. And this feature is, uh, there are two things to consider here. One of them is, it, it is a new functionality of the iPhone XR, XS, and XS Max to be able to tap your phone against an NFC tag anywhere you are on the phone. So on the lock screen, on the home screen, whatever. And be able to, for something to happen. Uh, that's a new API in iOS 12 and a new feature of the latest iPhones. And the something that happens in this case is Launch Center Pro launches and uh, sends you a local notification because that is the only way 
that Launch Center Pro can launch actions in the sense that it's not possible for Launch, launch Center Pro to say, okay, you scanned an NFC tag, I'm going to launch something in the background and you will, for example, you will instantly see the Safari web page that you wanted to open or you will be instantly taken to the shortcuts app. That is not possible on iOS by design. So what, what Launch Center Pro needs to do is it needs to show you a notification that takes you to the app and the app automatically runs your action. This is the same thing that happens uh, with Launch Center Pro when you um, assign a schedule to an action or when you use an iBeacon or when you use a Geofence. All of these like semi-automatic um, launchers, they need to show you a notification because that's a limitation of iOS. Uh, it cannot be done otherwise. Um, so the, the stickers... Um, they're cute. They have the icon of Launch Center Pro in the color version. They're also selling tra clear and white versions, which are more neutral and kind of fit. Uh, like they're, they're, you know, they don't <laughs> scream. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a nerdy thing. As soon as you look at it, um, I don't know if I'm gonna like. I I've been using them for like two things. I have a sticker on attached to my microphone stand, uh, so that I can tap my phone against the microphone essentially against the stand and it runs a short and it launches a shortcut that starts time tracking uh for uh, for my the, the podcast that i'm doing based on uh, it looks at the calendar and it says oh you're doing connected well i'll start your toggle timer for connect <laughs> can i see that shortcut please i need that shortcut uh i need that one thank you <laughs> <laughs> i'll work on that for you all thank right thank you very much um and also I have, I have one of these stickers sort of hidden um, underneath my nightstand uh, so mm -hmm. that I can tap my phone and it uh, opens a shortcut that contains a bunch of HomeKit um, scenes. Things like um, specific colors or uh, playing music via HomeBridge on the Mac Mini, that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to use them in, in other ways, um, but I think, it, I think it's a nice option to have, honestly. Yeah, I think that my feeling, I have one set up, which is relatively similar to yours. It's it's by my dock where I put my phone. Um, so I tap it and it sets, it asks me what show I'm doing. That's how I set the timer. It's not as advanced as yours, which is why I want to see how you do that with the calendar. Um, and although I actually think I could probably work it out on my own, but I still want to see how you did it because it's always going to be better the way that you do it. Um, and then it sets my phone on do not disturb for 90 minutes and turns the volume on my phone all the way down. So like, that's like the phone is in recording mode now. Right. Um, so like that, that kind of thing is good. But the thing is about this, right? The NFC stuff is a fun thing. It's a cooler or like project to set up with. And there are some interesting use cases like Contrast show off uh, like a, sticking them to a car dock and like that's a clever one, right? Because you would always put your phone in there or whatever. But the thing is, like, it's no faster than just launching a Siri shortcut. And if anything, in some instances, it's more of a pain in the butt because you have to tap the notification, right, every single time. So, like, really, I think that this makes sense to be a visual reminder of a thing you need to do that then there is a step taken out of it. But, like, I'm not sure 
how like actually useful this would be to me in the long term. It is a very fun feature that I have enjoyed playing around with. And like you may be the type of person that's like, I know exactly where that's gonna go, right? And it's like awesome, right? There is there's some interesting use cases. But the real use case for this is something that contrast cannot do, right? Which is just have it do it, right? Don't give me a notification that I have to tap, right? Because then it's less it's less useful. So there is definitely some stuff you can do with this, but it is it's limited. I mean, and this is kind of my feeling about Launch Center Pro in general right now, which is I think for most people today, it is going to be a companion to shortcuts because it cannot do what shortcuts can do. Like the hooks that shortcuts has into the system now is way more. I mean, and even... To be honest, if when Workflow was Workflow, Launch Center Pro was not doing what Workflow was doing to the level that Workflow was doing it, right? Like, with or without the integration into the system, which is now given by the fact that Apple owns it, like, I think this is probably one of the reasons that it's gone such a long time because Workflow took the market, right? Like, it just took it. And now, really, Launch Center Pro is a very interesting app to be a companion for shortcuts. Like you can also put schedules in place, right? So you can have a notification fire on a schedule and you can tap it and run a shortcut. That's something that shortcuts can't do right now. But the thing is, if shortcuts adds that scheduling feature, it's going to be more powerful than what Launch Center Pro can do because it's a system feature. I don't see them adding the NFC thing, but to be honest... They could. They do enough weird stuff already, even in the Shortcuts app, right? Like, you've been experiencing that stuff yourself recently, Federico, like with the all of your wonderful Base64. But I, I think that it is, like, it seems risky, to be honest, to, to have this application, which is for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people will be used primarily to trigger shortcuts in interesting ways. Like, to building a long-term business based on this idea feels tricky now like this is this is like a, an extra level of sherlocking at this point it's just like you're adding features that apple could just add as features and it slowly chips away at the usefulness of your app and i'm sure that contrast have other ideas and i really hope that they do because ev- aside from the nfc stuff everything that they've added could either be easily taken away from them in the sense that shortcuts does it or they're just niceties if you are a Launch Center Pro user, like icons and themes and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think they do have other ideas. I've seen some of them, and I think um, the the general impression that I have is that they want to move away from this um, idea that Launch Center Pro is like a, a companion to shortcuts, which I... I'll... Yeah, they have to move away from it. Like, they have to do that. So I'm pleased that they think that way. They They do have... Features that are more like um, sort of to make Launch Center Pro independent in that sense. Um, but again, I don't know, uh, you know, what kind of timeline we're looking at. What kind of will they be able to release them all in 2019? I don't know. And I guess, uh, I mean, you mentioned multiple schedules, and real quickly, um, you can do. Uh, there's a true black theme. There's multiple app icons now, and also there's Siri shortcuts. But personally, um, I haven't found the utility of assigning Siri shortcuts in, in Launch Center Pro while you can you I also have them in shortcuts and shortcuts can do more. So um anyway, um I guess the the thing that I want to discuss with you but oh and you can also import your shortcuts um which is which is very nice. 
That's done so nicely. They built a shortcut to let you import shortcuts into Launch Center Pro to assign action. Like it's beautifully done. That is very, very smart. That is very cool. And actually, yeah. you can you can tweak that um, because it's based on a on a URL command. So you can tweak that to add your own icons uh, just by using the same URL scheme and the same technique. Just copy an image to the clipboard and run that, that command, and it will fetch an image from the clipboard. So you can use a photo or another icon or whatever. Anyway, I guess the discussion of will Launch Center Pro be able to uh, evolve into a more mature product in 2019 and beyond depends on whether this, the new business model works. And I want to hear from you both, and I want to start from you, Stephen, um, Launch Center Pro is now offering essentially three ways to unlock all the features of the app. You can subscribe, and there's a $10 annual subscription that in theory will go up over time. But if you subscribe now, you will lock in the the price. Um, There's the option to buy it all with one flat fee of $30 or $25 if you're a previous user of the app. Or you can buy most of the individual features uh, with uh, one-time in-app purchases. So three different ways to handle the switch from a paid upfront uh, app to a freemium app. What do you think about this? It, you know, I've got the app here and I'm opening it and going it to that, to that screen. And it is extremely complicated to understand what I should do or what the best deal is or what I actually like already have as a previous purchaser of the app. It, it, it I understand what they're trying to do. I, I do not, this is not a complaint about subscriptions. This, this is the sort of app that should have a subscription if they're going to keep it updated, which like history has shown that they don't. So they need to prove that paying this much a year or this much all at once is actually going to lead to future development because launch center Pro 2 sat there for years with basically nothing going on. I just wish they had made this simpler. Uh, I wish that they had, you know, maybe grouped some of this stuff better where it was clearer what I'm getting, clearer like what I should do as someone who wants this but not that. Um, It just all feels messy. It's sort of like unnecessarily so. And uh, I hope that, that they figure that out. Uh, my biggest complaint about it is if you scroll at the bottom, the future f- future features. So, like you said, you can subscribe or purchase now, and you get quote everything we have in the works. And the button is a lock with a dollar sign and like four question marks. Like I can't tell you how deeply that bothers me. Like you can say that it, a it looks like a button, but it doesn't do anything. The other buttons trigger the in app purchases, uh, and it it sort of makes me feel like. Hey, if you just decide just to, you know, unlock the NFC triggers, like I'm gambling against my own future in this app. And I do not like that feeling. I want to know that what I'm getting is what I'm getting and that, you know, every other application with a subscription, that subscription goes towards future stuff. What they're asking for is a subscription for what you have now and future stuff may be included, but maybe not if you read the fine print. And I just, I don't like it. I think it is I agree with all of that. I think my problem is just the sheer confusion of it is is almost astounding to me. Um, you know, like there is a flat fee, but the flat fee has two different options depending on whether you bought the app or not. And then there are five separate in-app purchases that you can do. 
uh, to unlock different different no, like different functionality, or you can do uh, a subscription. Like it kind of feels like it's a bit like have your cake and eat it. Like because if subscriptions are essential for the app to live, then why is the flat fee thing existing? Right, and then I get that like the flat fee thing is high because it's like multiple years that you get for that amount of money but then it's like but is that enough to guarantee five more years of features or is the subscription what you need like it feels like it's too many things i can see how you get to this kind of thing or it's like you're worried you're gonna annoy people but i think at a certain point you have to just draw a line and be like we're gonna lose people i think the people that really get annoyed like really annoyed they're probably not gonna buy it anyway so yeah, I, I think know. that's exactly why it's got so many options that, uh, and especially the, I feel like the enough purchases ones that having been on the beta, they were kind of added um, toward the final stages of the cycle. I think they were another case of trying to ensure a smooth transition, but I think there's an argument to be made whether do you prioritize transitioning existing users or do you want to have like a like a new beginning of sorts and the people that, that want to follow you from a previous version are great, but otherwise you just want to appeal to new people on the App Store. And I feel like by trying to cater to existing users to, to with, with these many options, maybe they've made the thing more confusing for new people who don't have any previous feelings or relationship with Launch Center Pro. And so it's it's kind of stuck in the middle of, well, we wanted to make existing users happy, but in the process, we made it more confusing for new users, uh, which I understand because, it, again, when you open that screen, it's a long screen with a lot of options and they're not grouped together and it's... Um, it's 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 a lot of information that the app throws at you. I sort of understand why, the, like what was the thinking behind it. Again, personally, I don't run contrast. I I don't. Uh, I, I mean, everybody's free to try whatever they want. If it were up to me, um, I I I'm always in favor of making it simple for uh for customers in this case i say customers because i do have people that su subscribe to to club max stories so i'm kind of in the same business in a way and i always try to make it as as easy as possible and i feel like the more options you offer the more you're just gonna confuse people and this is very much an instance of the what's it called the paradox, paradox choice or choice of yeah. well what am i gonna do now i don't know i guess i'm not gonna su subscribe at all <laughs> so, so here's the thing i will i reckon i will want want to have just try and find uses for this app but i don't know what i want to do i do, like what one do i do like i haven't worked it out like i i haven't got my head around it yet as to like which one do i think will be best for me like is it the flat fee which is what you did or is it the subscription or like i don't know like i, I it's like if it would have been just a 9.99 subscription i don't think i would have even thought about it but now i have a choice and that choice is making me drag my heels and then i might not do anything yeah. And and I guess the the other point that I that I wanted to make is that I do think that if it wants to survive Launch Center Pro, the it doesn't just need a new business model. 
it also needs to move away as much as possible from URL schemes and those plain text variables that you still need to use. Because I was looking, like, I wanted to reference in, in the article that I did about about version three, version three. I wanted to reference one of our old reviews, and I totally had forgotten about this. But we had the it's called the Comprehensive Guide to Launch Center Pro Two from four years ago, uh, wrote by by our own Alex on Mac Stories, and it was still pretty much on point for version three because all the underpinnings of the app are basically unchanged. You still create actions the same way. You still have to deal with plain text URLs. You still have to deal with the clipboard variables inside of square brackets. And if you make an action and then you want to change it, there's no visual editor anymore. Like if you if you add like a prompt or if you create a list um, with a visual editor, and and you save it, but then you want to change it, you have to deal with plain text because the editor cannot be displayed anymore. And this is very much uh, a legacy uh, type of design. This was automation before workflow. This is what it looked like. You had to deal with plain text and URLs. But now we live in a different era, which was kind of the, the opening theme of my article about Launchstar Pro yesterday. Uh, we, live in a, we live in a post workflow, in a post shortcuts uh, automation world on iOS. And Use, I mean, even drafts is sort of going in a different direction. There, it's 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 fully embracing both visual actions and scripting at the same time, which I sort of understand because okay, well then you're doing JavaScript, so I guess that makes sense. It has to be plain text, it has to be code. But Launch Center Pro needs to be a visual thing. When you open the app, it's a visual dashboard. Therefore, when you make actions, it has to be more intuitive. It has to be more visual. It needs to understand that we live in a different uh, automation landscape uh, on iOS. It's it's not like five years ago at all. Yeah. I really hope that they can find a new path. I don't know what it is, but I hope they can find it. This is, a, this is like one of those apps that like, this is like a, uh, it's an important application in like the history of my iOS usage, right? I used to use it all the time, but then I replaced it with Workflow. And I think a lot of people did. And I want to see what that team who built that app, right, can do now to make it new and exciting and fresh again. Because they did it once. They can do it again. I just I do hope for them that, that, that they've been able to convince enough of their customers to give them the money that it seems like they need to do it. Um, because that would be super awkward, wouldn't it? To have done all of this, to, to say we, we're doing this, give us money so we can make new features, but then they don't make enough. Like that would be a very sad situation to be in. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see what happens, but there's also the, you know, um, WWC 2019, where I suppose, uh, I mean, in, in a few weeks, we'll have to talk about shortcuts too. It's that time of the year of predictions. So um, there's shortcuts. I don't think 1.5. I think two is is coming next year, and that's a whole thing that that may be changing. You know, uh, major automation features on iOS again. So I don't know. I I wish Contrast the best. It was the you know Launch Center was uh, together with Drafts was one of the the first apps that got me into this this 
thing of talking about automation on, on the iPhone and then on the iPad. So I hope that it works out for them. Um, there's a few decisions that I would have made differently, but then again, I don't work at Contrast. So uh, good luck for the future and we'll see what happens. I hope that they can add new features in 2019 and we'll see how it goes. Well, I think that does it for this week on Connected. If you want to find show notes, links to topics we talked about, head over to the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 223. While you're there, you can get in touch with us via email, uh, or you can find us elsewhere online. Uh, Mike, you can find on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E, and Mike is the host of many shows here on Relay FM. You can find Federica Vatici on Twitter at V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and he's the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but MacStories did, uh, y'all launched MacStories Selects, which is like y'all's yeah. like uh, roundup of apps and updates this year. Fantastically well, done. You. It was thank really you. great. And I'm doing, thank you, and I'm doing my usual must-have iOS apps uh, roundup tomorrow. So that's also coming out, and there will also be an award in that one. So... Um, and that that's uh, that was an exciting one to work on because it's always fun to to put together. Uh, I think sixty apps for my article this year. So that's happening tomorrow. That's a that's a bunch of stuff, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at ismh, and I write five twelve pixels dot net. Uh, like we mentioned earlier, next week will be our uh, year in review episode. If you have story suggestions for us tweet with the hashtag connected year this episode was made possible by our sponsors pingdom luna display and Storyworth. and until next time guys say goodbye arrivederci cheerio adios